Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and presson falsies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie Could only be Ireland, couldn't it? Back garden last evening was like the Costa del Sol this morning <laughs> Iceland oh my oh my the swinging weather is something else it really is and just looking at the next few days it's cool and it's wet and it's breezy where is our summertime let's hope it comes after this shocking cold spell it must be about six weeks at this stage welcome to late lunch we'll warm the cockles of your heart this afternoon I promise you it's world bee day you know I was once a beekeeper Simon O'Cronin from Meath is an avid beekeeper and he's joining us on the show today I'll spin another Eurovision classic you'll love it I promise you Kristen Jensen is with us yes a new publishing house for foodies and you won't want to miss Breda Castle. I promise you her book, Lessons from a Bedside, Wisdom for Living. Brida is the chaplain at the Galway Hospice. And I have her book. I've read it. It's amazing. We're talking about it after two. End of life. Too late to have regrets. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, the numbers as usual, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Now, don't tune out. We haven't lost the run of ourselves. <laughs> when you look out your window, you think, what the hell are they at on late lunch today? Yes, we are. We're going to talk ice cream for the next while, believe it or not. Because I'm just wondering, there's a wee story knocking about that says there's a shortage of flakes for our 99s this summer. Oh, please, tell me it's a ball hop. Well, the woman who knows, she is the ice cream woman, Caroline Smith. Hello again. Hiya, Jerry. How's it going? I'm, it's going well. Tell me, please, please tell me, Caroline, this is not true. Well, it seems like it's true. Or either it's a very good PR stunt. It's one or the other. Let's put it that way. Uh, certainly, um, my own supplier didn't even know about it until he heard about it on the news. So it's certainly interesting, you know. Mm. How many 99s on average would you go through? First of all, you, you have, of course, the ice cream vans. How many have you normally on the road? We've about six out at the moment on the road, yeah. Good on you. All and over Leinster. All over the province, right. And how yeah. many flakes on average would you go through in a good month? 
On a, in a, in, well, I'm all, I'll give you a week. In a good week, if the sun is shining and everybody's happy and buying, which we've had a bit of that, you'll, I'll probably be going through two and a half, three thousand flakes a week. A week? Oh, yeah, it's, exactly, a, it's a lot of flakes. And if you That's haven't, great. if you haven't got them, is it still the most popular, the 99? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, everybody loves the 99, to say the least, you know. Yeah. And they like the Cadbury's chocolate. So when you can't get Cadbury's 99 flakes and you try to, to use something else because there are alternatives uh, it doesn't go down too well with the customers to say the least oh you see our palate is trained in on the old Cadbury and it doesn't like change as you say and of course the flakes look we know the flake in the yellow wrapper but the one you use for the ice cream is about half the length of that is it yeah, it's about that, but about half the length of it. It's made specifically for the ice cream, you know? Mm, so so it won't I'm. be as crumbly as the other one. <laughs> I'm just thinking here, it's not an option, is it? If you had to ration, you couldn't cut the little one in half, could you? Well, I ha- I was foreseeing myself buying the, the, the normal long flakes oh, in yeah. the kitchen at home, cutting all the volumes <laughs> in half, the way things are going at the moment, you know. But don't you worry, I have a bit of a stock, enough to keep you going for about a month and a half, two months, you know? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. So, look, at the, the the story is there that they're, they're saying that the makers of these, and most of them, incidentally, which surprised me, the bulk of flakes, are made actually in Egypt. And uh, that suppliers are struggling to keep up with the spike in demand. I'm sure it's with people being let off the leash and everything opening up again and people getting out and about. That's probably driving this. But what about yourself? What What do you think? Have you Have you enough in stock to take you over the next while? Well, if enough, I'd say to keep me going for a good five, six weeks, all right. I was lucky. I, I planned ahead. Not that I knew this was going to happen, but I bought a pallet of flakes in at the beginning of the season because we had trouble with Cadbury's flake supply before. So I kind of said I was going to cover myself this year and buy some up front, which I did. But I'm going through them fairly quickly at the moment. So because we're busy, you know, yeah. the, the people are spending a bit now. Well, we're not busy today, Jerry. No. Yesterday was summer and we were busy yesterday. Anyway, look. You know? No, I was actually shedding a little uh, tear for you this morning when I looked out and thought, I'm going to be talking to that poor woman today on the worst day of uh, summer so far. But that that is the nature of the business. When you get days like this, well, people just aren't out and about. They're not interested, are they? No, not at all. It's funny, you know, especially in Ireland, because it gets so much rain anyway. You think people will be used to it, but uh, unfortunately not. They think they'll melt when they go out in the rain. So needless to say, we don't be very busy on a wet day. Yeah, sure. So the good weather uh, really does boost what you sell. In a general sense, besides the 99s, what else is popular from the vans? I suppose the second best popular item we sell is the slushies, uh, especially since the teenagers. They love the slushies, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. And is it only whipped ice cream you do or do you do any other types? No, we just do the whipped ice cream. That's it. We don't do any lollies or anything like yeah, that. Just yeah. the Irish whipped ice cream. That's all we do. And the slushies are popular. And you whip on board or does it go out ready in the in, in the vans or what way does that work? Well, it comes, it, it, it's actually manufactured by Lakeland Dairy. So it's an Irish product. Really. Yeah. And uh, it, it's ready just to pour into the machines and then it's whipped up in the machines in the vans. Uh, when they're out working, yeah, exactly. On the spot. And what about other little additions? Is syrup popular on the, the cone? Yeah, plenty of syrups are popular. I think we're running about six different flavours at the moment. Um, and the kids love the syrup. Mind you, the adults love the syrup too. But yeah, syrup will be popular as well. And probably shown thousands are still popular. Yes, of yes, I was just going to come on to and say I'm showing my age here when I mentioned hundreds and thousands. They're still oh, there. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're still but, popular, yes. Yeah, very popular. Yeah, exactly. But look, everybody loves a good ice cream at all the toppings on a good sunny day. Oh, there's nothing to beat it. And it wouldn't be an Irish summer without it. So the popular spots, I take it, are, you know, uh, seasides, uh, you know, destinations like that where people go to. That's where you concentrate on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we would do the normal street work, as I call it, around the yeah. housing states in the different towns. But we also do work on the beaches. I'm back, thank God, this year. I've got one license for Bettystown Beach. So I'll be, I was back down there last Sunday, first day back at the beach last Sunday. And it wasn't bad. It's was busy enough. Yeah, and of course, now more people can enjoy the beach without the traffic. So that's more footfall, please, God, and more business for you. Do you do Clarehead? I do, yeah. I would do Clarehead Beach as well. That's another beach that's quite popular. Um, I'm on the pier down there as well. And then we'd also have one up in Newbridge House and Donabate. Lovely, lovely. So you're nice spread there and beyond. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. What about when I hear the chimes? Because where I live on the north side of Drada, I hear the chimes quite frequently. And mind you, not just summertime. Well, we operate... um, uh, seasonally, so we only yeah. operate March through till October. Okay. So if you're hearing any chimes outside those months, they're it's not, not you. Right? It's not you. <laughs> and and it's a long shot. I have to say, it is a long shot at times of that. But isn't there something still special? I even when I hear it, I'm out walking in my back garden, and I hear it passing by. It brings back fond memories. Yeah, of course it does. Everybody remembers the ice cream van. I mean, even I do. I used to live in Stamine and Drahada as a child, and I can remember my mother going out to the ice cream van, which was actually my husband's father's van at the time, oh. uh, getting ice cream for us as kids. So there you go. That's a funny old story, to say the least. What a link that is, you know, yep. uh, really special in, in life indeed. Oh, yeah, you can't beat the different chimes and the music. It's absolutely fantastic. It really is. So anyway, you're looking ahead to, well, last year, you got going all right when the restrictions lifted. So last year, was it okay of a year for you? Look, we got going eventually. It was late for us. We lost three months. We didn't get going until probably the end of May. But, um, and obviously we lost business because all the major outdoor events, etc., that we normally do are not, we're not on. Yeah. Uh, so it, we, 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 we had a hit. But I mean, look, it's just better to keep going. That's life. You've got to keep going and just hope things will improve, you know. So mm. fingers crossed this year. If we get the weather, you know, and yeah. a few different areas on the beaches and parks I have, it'll keep us going. You know, we still won't have the big events. But look, we keep battling on. Well, good luck to you, and I hope the flake supplies never, ever dry up and keep doing what you're doing, bringing happiness to so, so many people. It's lovely to catch up with you today. And rain, rain, go away. Come again another day in November. How about that? Exactly, Jerry. Fingers crossed for a belter of summer. Please, God. Caroline, lovely to talk to you again. Take care now. You too. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Caroline Smith there. (laughs) What a day to be talking about 99s and ice cream. Do you love a 99? Love them. Favourite? As in sprinkles, is it? No, your favourite, like if you talk about, you know, where you can buy ice cream bars, like chalk ices, things like that. Oh, just ordinary ice cream. You know, brunches and that ordinary ice cream. Always love the whip above anything else. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm the same too. Where we did it, myself and uh, Kira. Do you remember Kira? Yeah, and you went around the country, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we went round louder than me to different places selling the whipped ice cream on an ice cream tour. And we picked up, you know, uh, ice creams and tasted them at different places. And people mm. have a favourite place where they get their whipped ice cream. You know, they love them. Anyone out there today listening has a favourite calling place for your ices for so, your 99 99s we're talking about yeah. anywhere you go and you love the ice cream in the place i always say i say this 
Mimnes in Slane. You always stop off there on Does going fishing. Does a lovely whipped ice cream. If we're going fishing and we, we get a parking space, you know, go down the hill there. Yeah. We hop out and we pop in. I love Mimnes, I have to say. It's a beautiful whipped ice cream. Some some people like whipped ice cream really soft and others mm. like it more kind of firmer, don't they? Yes, yes. My daughter, Ava and Kieran, they go regular to Chairman Fekin. Too. Oh, they like it in the shop there. Oh, they love it. They, lo- they absolutely love Termin Fekin. Mm-hmm. And Clotterhead, I don't know whether it's reopened. You know there at the Caravan Park, there used to be a wee shop there. That had a lovely whipped ice cream. I don't, halfway down or actually in Clotterhead? On, on the way, the way in, on the right-hand side oh, where no, the Caravan Park is. Yeah. They, they used to do a lovely one as well. Where do you go for your favourite whipped 99? And the vans, of course, like Caroline and our people do gorgeous ice creams as well where do you go have you a favourite a favourite place you go for your whipped ice cream let us know 086-1800-658 you can whatsapp text us to the show 1850 if you'd like to call in now here's the big question mm-hmm. and I didn't want to put Caroline on the spot but I'm putting you on the spot and our listeners today here is my question say there is a problem with the flakes which please God there won't be but if there were a difficulty what would you suggest as a replacement for the flake, the Cadbury's oh. flake? Okay. I know a lot you of can people say, say twirl, but I'd go with Cadbury's finger. Oh, the chocolate finger. Yeah. You can, you know, you can, I, I, love my, I love my flake when you push it right down into the cone. Yes. So I think so the finger So your just... choice, number one choice, would be a Cadbury's chocolate finger with the little biscuit inside mm, in your cone. It'd be, a tiny, be nice. very thin compared to the... It to would the, be a little uh, bit, yeah. To the two chocolate. of them then. Can I suggest? <laughs> yeah, two of them or three of them. You're right. That's bunch them together. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a good thing. That's good thinking, Batwoman. Will I tell you my favourite? Yeah. I'd pop in a Galaxy Ripple. Have oh, you ever tasted lovely. the Galaxy Ripple? Oh, mm. in the name of God, a Galaxy Ripple. I like Galaxy I'd, chocolate. Oh, the Ripple is just, that's what I do. I'd cut it in half, as Caroline was saying there, and I'd pop it in. And that would be my replacement. Tell them what you said upstairs. <laughs> if you want something that's way off the mark, go on, tell them. I was just thinking, you know, sweet and savoury that you can you know, throw in an L chipstick. A salt and vinegar. Roll. A salt and vinegar chipstick into your ice cream. It might be lovely. Oh, I don't know about that. I really don't know. Try anyway, it first. Well, maybe, maybe we'll give it a go. I love chipsticks. I love chipsticks with Coke. Oh, lovely. Chipsticks chill, with Coke. Coca-Cola. Chill Coca-Cola and chipsticks. Oh, my, mother of God, you can't okay, be. I'd never put them two together. Or cold milk. A glass of cold milk. Glass of cold milk with them. With potato crisps. I told you potato that before. Potato crisps and milk before, yeah. Yeah, they're nice. I said that before. Anyway, folks, there's two questions today. Your favourite ice cream, your whipped ice cream, where do you go for it? Have you any suggestions for us around the North East or beyond? And if you couldn't get the flake, come on, here's a good one. What would you put into your 99, <laughs> flakeless 99, to replace the Cadbury's flake? You heard what Louise said there? The little Cadbury's chocolate finger biscuits three of them she'd need three or four <laughs> and I am going for today on the show yes the ripple the ripple oh I just love it all together yeah the galaxy ripple let us know it's a bit of fun today on late lunch it's a shocking day out there but who doesn't like ice cream I don't know anybody who doesn't let us know 086-1800-658 whatsapp or text me now back in a moment on late lunch <laughs> Flake, the crumbliest, flakiest milk chocolate in the world. 
Do you remember it? Oh, I remember it well. That was a classic ad, Louise. Do you remember that one on, on the TV? Went ran Vaguely. For years it, and yeah, years vaguely. it ran for. That was the uh, Cadbury's Flake ad that we're talking about. And your ice creams, your uh, whipped ice cream today. God, Louise, isn't that some message we I've just got Fantastic. from WhatsApp? Brilliant. I don't know who it's come from, but they've sent me in a picture. Because I was saying yes and yesterday it was way fishing, but it's patchy, the fishing all over. And they sent us a picture. Finally found out why the fish weren't biting for Jerry. And it's a picture of a fish. <laughs> I think it's a bass. Uh, with a face mask on. How could they bite? <laughs> I love it. I'll tell you, listeners are so brilliant. They really, really are. Amanda's been on to say, Louise, Pat's in King's Court, the best ice cream in the country, she says. And if she had to make a choice, if there wasn't a flake, guess what Amanda would go for? A Kit Kat. That's a good one. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. A Kit Kat stick in our ice cream. Paddy Bird, hello, Paddy, this afternoon. Riley's in Laytown. Jerry, you can't beat their 99, says Paddy. Peter's been on from Dundalk. XXI Ice in Dundalk. Best ice cream, top notch. Peter goes religiously three times a week. No way, in all weathers. <laughs> 99 in all weathers. Do you remember the... Uh, um, the- the shop um, outside, kind of between Navenant and Shockland that we had on a couple of years ago that did a foot-long ice cream. And yes. there was people queuing in the snow for it. They were. They were. And there's somebody sending me in a picture. They were in Aldi today. And there's loads of Cadbury's Flake. But can you imagine, you know, standing there, cutting them in half? Sure. Mother of God Almighty. I don't think anyone Do you ever try and that. eat a flake without it crumbling? You can't. <laughs> and you know when you eat the flake and then you leave all the little bits in the yellow wrapper and you turn it up and just yeah. let them all down, the last little bits with the cup of tea. Oh, my God. Um, we you wouldn't ha- dip it. You wouldn't dip it into the cup of tea, though. No. Oh, no. Sure. No, no, no. That'd be... <laughs> chocolate cho- tea? Chocolate tea, yeah. Caroline Burke, hello again today. And Alice, she's in Beliver, of course, Caroline. Great friend of ours. Sherry, we've already experienced this last week in a shop near Navin. No flake for a 99. Couldn't oh. believe it. So what would we call it now? By the way, it didn't taste the same at all, says Caroline, without the flake. Now, there is an actual practical experience the Roma restaurant in Dundalk for homemade ice cream or Charles ice cream van says Greg in Dundalk today there who his two picks for his whipped uh, ice I'm like you Jerry. I love Mimnes and Slane for a 99 that's Sinead boiling onto us today from Dalekin County Mead hello Sinead and um, Supermax salty chips with a dollop of whipped mm. ice cream on top. Oh, that what sounds lovely. What have you started, <laughs> Louise Walsh? That could be lovely. Salty chips with ice cream on top mm. in the name of... What do people's taste? No, no limits. And 99 and Centra in RD is absolutely scrummy, Jerry. My favourite 99 is Hugh Mulligan's mobile ice cream van in Navin. Uh, oh, I know Hugh. Re- do you know Hugh? Yep. I would replace the flake very reluctantly... With the chocolate crispy roll, says Pat Wardick and Navin today. Lovely to hear from you. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. I'll be back to your alternatives to the flake in the ice cream. But we're heading for news and weather at two in the company of the Kinks. Think about it. Get it into your mind. A sunny afternoon.
Oh my word, thank you so much for all of your ice cream stories and your preferences. I have loads of them. Here's a few more for you. I'll come back to them through the afternoon, I promise you. Brendan actually buys a flake and sticks it into the 99 himself. He doesn't ask for one, he gets a plain one. Buys a full flake and puts it in there because he says the flake is too short normally in the 99. It is a short one. We were talking about that with Caroline Smith earlier. All Louise Walsh has started the craze. Chickatees with ice cream and raspberry syrup. Syrup. Chickatees, ice cream, raspberry syrup. Danielle, you have some taste. That's Danielle in Trim today and she loves Busca, is it, at uh, Marcy's in Trim. Great ice cream. And Mary in Summerhill has her cone with tato, cheese and onion crisps. So there you go. Sweet and savoury seems to be a love of yours. I'll be back. There's lots of comments there. I will read them all. How do you like your 99? What would you stick into it if you hadn't got the flake? I just want to check. Is Breda casually with me on the line? Hello, Breda. Hello, Breda. No, she's not there. We'll get her for you now in a moment. She's my next guest on the show and uh, just having a little technical glitch there at the moment we'll uh, get it for you I'll read some more of your comments about the ice cream Barry's and Cooley with a fizzy cola bottle that's my alternative Jerry says another listener a fizzy cola bottle in the 99 stuck in the ice cream Wow. Barry's and Cooley are getting a lot of attention here. There's a number of people love the ice cream there. Spar RD, the Kilberry Shop, Nobber Centre, and I love the chocolate, strawberry or lime syrup, says another listener there. Angela and the crew in Pats and Kingscourt are lovely. The 99s are fabulous, says Vera. Will you say hello to them today? And Jerry Centra in Yellow Batter and Drogheda. You can't beat it for a 99. And the staff are absolutely lovely there too. And another listener says, I worked in Cadbury's in the 80s. And actually, Jerry, twirls are just chocolate-covered flakes, says a listener to us. And more to come. Now, my next guest once owned Leonidas Chocolates before studying pastoral theology, leading to a role as a lay Franciscan before becoming healthcare chaplain at the Galway Hospice Foundation. I've just finished her first book. It's called Lessons from a Bedside Wisdom for Living, which made a big impression on me, I have to say. And in my opinion, it's a book we could all do it reading and take on board some of the lessons contained between the covers. I want to say a big hello this afternoon to Breda Cassidy. Hello, Breda. Hello, Jerry. It's so lovely to be with you this afternoon. And it's great to have you with us. I want to start with a quote from the book by your CEO at the Galway Hospice, Mary Nash. And it says, Sadly, in today's world, we often deny the existence of death until we are facing it. Isn't that the way of mankind and the world, really, Breda? I think it is, Jerry, and and I think it's, um, you know, when your health is challenged, health, of course, is one of the most important sources of security in life. And when that's challenged, we become vulnerable and fragile. And it's only then that we think about death, really. Um, and, and I suppose that's fine, too, really. We're trying to live our lives as best we can. But um, it's good to know that in the distance somewhere, death is there. Yes, and you say in the book that death is as natural as birth and you also advocate the inclusion of it as a subject on the school curriculum. Do you think that we're just ignoring it and that then when it does arrive on our doorstep or in our laps, we're not ready? Is that the thinking behind that? 
I think so, Jerry. I think it's very difficult for people to have that conversation around death. I think people are very busy living their lives. And, and of course, we live in a very busy world. Um, so it's difficult to have that conversation. I think if it was introduced on the school curriculum, um, it's it would sort of be an introduction to young people that death is natural. We're born. It's inevitable that someday we will die. And in between those two stages, it's a lovely gift we call life. And that's to be lived well and savoured and enjoyed. But with the realisation that someday that gift of life will come to an end also. Mm. And, you know, the stories, you put the the book together, may I say, brilliantly, like some of the stories about Ruth and Alan, her husband, who was all into his business and that was the focus of his life with three children. And when Ruth was imminently going to pass on, you know, the regret there. Olive, who wanted to write a book, Sylvie and her son's birthday, he was seven and she lived for the birthday and died just hours later. And Jade, who married Ivan and then passed yeah. away. Oh, my God. I have to say, Breda, those stories, the emotion I felt reading them. But you've they're only some examples of what you've experienced with people through your lifetime. Is it difficult being in the midst of all that? Um, I think we work as a team in hospice and uh, working as a team, it gives us great insight that we're in this all together. Um, there is a lot of sadness, of course, and um, I wouldn't be doing my work well if I didn't experience some of that sadness. But there's also a realisation that this is their story, the patient's story and their family. It's not my story. So I have to be available to them emotionally to support them and to work through whatever situations needs to be worked through. Working with a team, it's great because we have each other to lean on. So if we're having a difficult hour or a difficult day, there's always somebody at some stage of the evening before you leave work to have a quick chat with. And it only needs to be acknowledged. You cover the gambit of emotions that people go through when they know they're facing, you know, the mortality that we all face, um, mm. emotions such as anger, why me, especially a young person, they're sad, they have a fear of dying or what will happen when they're gone, the regrets, the mending of bridges, healing of hearts. Do they vary from person to person or is the one in those I mentioned there that generally always appears? Um I think when your health is challenged, you will go through a whole series of emotions. There will be doubt, there will be fear, there will be anger. And sometimes people then move gently towards acceptance, really. So that gives them space and time to put whatever needs to be put in order in their lives, really. There may be stuff they still need to do, something they need to accomplish, um, some unfinished business, maybe relationships that needs to be mended and healed. So they have that opportunity and that time. And I think in the book, Lessons from a Bedside, I cover that very well, really. Mm. It's, I think, roughly about 30 stories I share. Yes. And that's only a tiny, tiny percentage. But it does reflect overall, all of the patients. Yes, and uh, as I said, I only mentioned a few of them there that I picked out from reading it that stuck with me, but there are so many wonderful f stories there. Um, 
You know, when coming back to you and the team there as well, and when you're in the midst of this, I was just thinking of you, uh, and, and this is a compliment, like a sponge. You know, you absorb and you fill up. And when the sponge is full, how do you squeeze it out then? Or do you need to squeeze it out from, from your own perspective? Oh, of course we do. And yes, that's that's a very good analogy. We are a sponge because you do absorb the emotions. You're seated with somebody and they're sharing the emotional part of their lives. So we do absorb it in some sense. And again, that comes back to our team at hospice. Uh, we have clinical reflection. We have clinical supervision. Uh, for me, it's spiritual direction. So I get a time and an opportunity to share those how this has impacted on me emotionally. Mm. So again, it's going back to acknowledging it, how it affects you emotionally. And then again, realizing it's not my story. It is their story. So I have to respect it and honor it. You know, for family who are around people in their uh, latter days and everybody knows that there is only going to be one outcome here, what what do you say to people who are uh, around those who are going to pass imminently? It's a very difficult thing to talk about. I remember when my own father was ill and terminally ill, we never addressed it. And it's many moons ago, but it's something that still I carry within me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the patient, it's very important that this part of their story is being acknowledged. They're coming to end of life. So when they can share that with their family, they can live their final days much better because they're all there together in that space. It's being acknowledged that the patient's life is coming to an end. So in a sense, there can be a sense of celebration. They can look back and I talk in the book of doing a life review with the patients. And so important that that part of their story is being acknowledged by the family and also that it's acknowledged for the patient. So it's important to be open. It's very important, Jerry, and I think this is something that the patient longs for, that I, I think for all of us, we like to be acknowledged in whatever's going on with us in our lives. You know, we talk about it, we share about it. Death is no different, really. Mm. When you're coming to the end of your life, it, it kind of eases the fear around it. When you can talk openly with your family, with your loved ones, with your friends, it gives you permission and time to put whatever needs to be put in order in terms of your funeral, uh, your arrangements. You're very much part of that. So you're concluding your own story. And that's very life giving for the patient. And by extension, children need to be brought into this uh, conversation as well. I think that's very important and I think that's the role of our social workers at hospice. In the book, um, I talk about when I was 14 years of age how my older sister died Mm. and uh, we were never brought together as children for that to be acknowledged openly. So a child can experience complicated grief then afterwards. But having that conversation always led by the child in, in in language that they would use. Um, the child, their grief can be very healthy. And children, children can talk very honestly and openly. Their attention span is short, but they like to be acknowledged in this situation also. Mm. The other thing is, and one uh, that 
uh, came through the book on several occasions is the worry that the person has who is leaving us and moving on. That, you know, how will people be when they go? That's a huge thing, isn't it? It is. And that's part of concluding their story. Again, that they can acknowledge how they feel, their fears, and having that conversation with their family. And finding comfort in that conversation that the family can respond and say, we are going to miss you dreadfully. Uh, Your presence will not be part of us anymore, but life sort of will have to go on in some sense. And we promise that we will do the best we can. So having that conversation brings great peace to the patient and to the family. Beyond this life, and you touch on this, uh, talking about a vision of the divine that you've experienced with people who are just passing as well. And I know, you know, your own story of how you came to this uh, through Orla, uh, that story about Orla early on, who changed your life, leaving the business behind Mm. and becoming deeply involved in this. I suppose, like, to ask you, I I know you're going to give me the answer, you're probably going to give me, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Beyond this, there is something, Breda. Uh, yeah, there is. Yeah, we would hope there is. I, I really personally hope there is. And it's very often a question that the patient would ask me as a chaplain. And I have to be very honest with them in saying, I've never made that journey myself, really. But this is what I hope there will be there. I know the, the Bible tells us that there is life after death, eternal life. And it's a life that we will live in peace and love without any worry. And isn't that something we would all hope for? Mm, absolutely. I think of Colm Keane. I don't know whether you know Colm, the author. Uh, I've interviewed I him. Yeah, mm. his books, you know, Heading for Amazing. the Light, The Distance, Sure, Going Home, We'll mm. Meet Again. And they're incredible. Mm. And we had incredible conversations here where I'm speaking to you mm. from today about this and reaction from listeners uh, as well. Now, this past year, of course, has been a, a momentous one for you because you, you've, you've moved slightly in your role. Uh, and for ourselves here and the world who ever heard of coronavirus? Do you think the message of how fragile and vulnerable we are will change us? I hope so. And I think in some measure it will. But I also think we have to allow it to change us, really. Sometimes we have to just let life be. And it can be the greatest teacher that we have, really. Mm. So I talk about the importance of being yourself in the book, really and listening to that inner voice. And that will always lead and guide us um, to where we need to be, where we need to go. I certainly think relationships have deepened through this time. Conversations have become more authentic and real. And I have no doubt that will continue into the future. I love your saying towards the end, in the shelter of each other, the people survive. Uh, It's so, so true. It's so wonderful. And I know you have it in the Irish and English as well. But here's the thing. Oh, isn't it? Isn't it just beautiful? And it it sums it up. It is about no matter what we have in life, what we achieve, what we do at the end of the day. It's back to our nearest and dearest and people, isn't it? Yeah, we need each other. We need to lean on each other. And, you know, for a patient who's moving towards end of life, they need to know that they're loved and cared for. It doesn't even have to be said in words. Mm. Uh, Their senses are heightened. They will know and be aware. But it's so true in the shelter of each other. 
that's where the healing happens for us. Rita Cassidy is with me. Her book is called Lessons from a Bedside Wisdom for Living. Brida, I just want to read a little extract from your book for a moment because I think it's simply brilliant. It says, time is a precious commodity. Deep down, we all know this, but it really hits home when you or someone close to you has been diagnosed with a serious illness. All of a sudden, the daily minute of life drift into the background and just the important parts of life become our focus. If you had one year left to live, how would you spend it? How does that change if you only had one month or one week left? Very often when people are asked this question, they don't talk about finishing a project at work or purchasing a new car. They talk of spending this time with family and friends that mean a lot to them. The moments we share with loved ones are the precious memories we keep forever. And that leads me into this. Do people ever consider, or do you ever hear this, that, you know, they think, how would I live my life given a second chance? Um, Well, when I do a life review with the patients, Jerry, very often at the end of it, we would sit and have a cup of tea. And I would say to them, if you were to write a letter to your 20 or 30-year-old self, what would you say? And the answers simple but very profound. Mostly they would say, I don't think I would overly worry about life. I will allow I would have allowed myself to enjoy life more. I wouldn't have gotten caught up in the challenges and the difficulties of life. I think I would be a little bit more kind to myself and to others. They would talk about projecting into the future and in a sense that takes from living your best life this day. So it is the simple pleasures. It's being with family, being with friends, celebrating the ordinary but extraordinary occasions like the birthdays in the home, uh, going to the seaside, having a picnic together. It's just being together as people and just enjoying that pleasure. Mm. So I think of that phrase, you know, sweating the small stuff, things that cause, you know, a breakdown in friendships, Mm. you know, an absolute... A uh, break between people and families that don't talk for years. When you mm. when you when you arrive at this time, all that is nonsense, isn't it, Breda? It's incidental, quite incidental, really. Um, and um, sad that it takes until that stage to realise it, really. Mm. And I think in the book I talk about a life review can be done at any age or any stage in life, really. Just a simple looking back over your life and asking, is this the life that I want to live? What are the relationships in my life all about? How fulfilling is my life, the life I'm living? What changes do I need to make? What do I need to celebrate? Mm. You went down this road totally unexpectedly, didn't you? Quite unexpectedly. But then, you know, I think life is strange. It will point you in the direction. But you have to be quite awake spiritually to see where it's leading you. And I think for me, it was just being asked to attend to a young patient, a young mother who was only 35 in the hospital here in Galway. She had been given a cancer diagnosis, was given a few months to live and had some young children. She had received the sacrament of baptism, but hadn't received the further sacraments of first confession, first communion and confirmation. So she had asked that she would be prepared and received those sacraments. So a priest contacted me, knowing that I had a background in theology. Would I 
offer some time and, and be present to her and prepare her. And that patient was Orla that I talk about in the book, mm. that she became the greatest teacher I've ever had. Um, I worked with her for about six weeks before she died. And um, it was a great insight into emotional pain, um, into letting go in life, really. Mm. So, yeah, it changed my life completely, absolutely changed the direction. I was very happy in a business that was thriving, chocolate business in Galway. And um, I remember that Christmas time sitting down with myself and saying, what is my life all about? Mm. Uh, Where is my life going? Um, What do I need to change in my life? How fulfilling is it? And the realization that a successful business and money isn't everything. Yes. It doesn't always fulfill you. So it just it changed the direction of my life and Thank God it did. Yes, really. uh, you took the words out of my mouth. Thank God it did. I have to say, I specialise in books on this show and I've uh, interviewed the great and good uh, on this uh, programme about their books. And I want to say this, that this book is a book for everybody. You should read this it book. Is. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think it will change perhaps the course of many, many people's lives. It's called Lessons from a Bedside, Wisdom for Living by Breeded Casserly. It's been a real pleasure talking with you this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me and I wish you well with the book and your work. Thank You're you. fantastic. Thank you so much, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Breda Casserly you. there, former chaplain in the Galway Hospice Foundation. She's working there still. This is a brilliant book. I'll tell you in a little while. I'll give it to one of you. I will give it to one of you today on the show. If you'd like this book today on Late Lunch, just text me in your name and details. And if you have a story or something just to say with your text or WhatsApp to me, we'll pick somebody for it. It's brilliant. Lessons from a bedside. Read it casually. Would you like the book? Name, details and why I should give it to you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text. My next guest has been a good friend to us on Late Lunch through the years. She's a food writer and editor, co-author of Cookery Books herself and a member of the Irish Food Writers Guild. Kristen Jensen joins me today to tell us about about her new publishing venture called Bloster Books. Kristen, hello again. Hi, Jerry. It's great to talk to you again. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. Well, Bloster Books, tell them what your thinking is behind this new venture. Right. So as you said, uh, my background is in editing and writing. So I'm throwing my hat now into the publishing ring with this new project and publishing my own series of small, short format cookbooks called Bloster Books. Uh, so the difference between these and normal or quote unquote normal cookbooks is they'll be A5 size, so smaller and only 72 pages. So they'll be small and quirky and fun. So that's quite a difference to what I would know as the traditional, you know, big book, lots of pages in it, millions of recipes, hardback covers. You know what I mean? Functional type of book. It's different. This is an alternative. Exactly. Uh so the, the reasoning or the thinking behind the project was those books that you just described, they're very expensive to produce mm. and they're also expensive to buy, you know, for a cookbook reader. So I'm trying to, with the project, I'm trying to kind of open up the landscape so that more voices can get out there because there's so many exciting people in Ireland doing so many different things with food. And this is a way to showcase that, to shine a light on that. So expensive to produce, uh, you know, the photography in it is another big thing. And getting published, I don't have to tell you this, it's not straightforward. Yeah, the barriers to entry are really high in the cookbook space. 
because they are so expensive to produce, publishers tend to be quite risk averse and understandably so. So again, it all kind of feeds into the same problem with just not very many people being able to get that foot in the door. Mm. So the thinking is by shrinking the books down, I can bring the production costs down and also for the cookbook buyer, instead of paying 35 or 40 euros these days for the full size cookbook, these little books are 15 euros each. And going forward, they're going to be a quarterly series. So almost like a magazine, you could subscribe and get all four books like a subscription that just gets sent to your door four times a year. I love it. I think it's a fantastic concept. That's why I wanted to have a chat with you today. And will they be sold true? You know, please God, we still have blimmin' bookshops after this time. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Or online or what? What's your thoughts around that? So both is the short answer there. Uh, I'll have my own Books website, which, as I said, you could go on there and sign up for an annual subscription or the books will be sold in shops, just like any other book. Mm. Now, a lot of the, the genre of books that have appeared, well, maybe I'm, I'm off the mark here, but tell me if I'm wrong, please. But, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on quick meals. There's a lot of emphasis, of course, on eating well, weight loss. There's a lot of emphasis on the vegetarian, vegan. Is that fair or am I being unfair? You are absolutely spot on. In fact, of the top 10 cookbooks that were sold in Ireland last year, all of them fall into the categories you just mentioned, which is absolutely fine. I love a quick and easy midweek meal mm. as much as the next person, but there's room for more. Those, those kinds of books are quite functional. And so again, with the Blasta books, I'm trying to put some more fun back into the equation as well as opening up the landscape to show more diversity. So across, say, 72 pages, roughly A5, how many recipes are you talking about? And and will you have photographs or will you do something else? Good point. So there will be about 30 recipes in each of these books. So I like to say the brief for all our authors is every recipe has to be blasta. It has mm. to be really delicious. Mm. The kinds of things, I don't know if any of your listeners remember Donald Skian's, um lamb shank shepherd pie that butchers across the country sold out of lamb shanks because people were going crazy for this recipe. Those are the quality of recipes I want in the Blasta books. Because it's such a tight little book, every recipe has to really be a tried and trusted winner and have earned its place. And as you pointed out, another thing that makes these books different is they're going to be illustrated instead of the usual photography. So we've got this amazing Dublin illustrator. Her name is Nikki Hooper. And if anybody's on Instagram, I encourage you to go check her out. She's at Nikki Hooper. Just beautiful little watercolor illustrations. And a lot of people say, oh, but I like to see what it's going to look like and what I'm aiming for. These are still very much realistic illustrations. So you are going to get a sense of the dish, but it's just something that makes them a little different. Who are they aimed at? Or, or what's your market, do you think? Is it somebody who, let's say, you know, who's into their cooking? Will these recipes take a bit of time? They're not, as you say, fast or quick or anything like that. These are to be enjoyed. Lots of ingredients. Or, you know what I'm getting at? What's the, the genre of them? Yeah, yeah, good question. So that was another kind of genesis of this project was, like we just talked about, with so many of the cookbooks these days being so functional, As an avid cookbook buyer and user and reader myself, and it's my job, I was just frustrated at the lack of 
you know, you know, what about all the people who like to spend time in the kitchen and for whom cooking is a joy and a creative outlet? And there's a lot of us out there, you know, we're eating one meal and already thinking about the next. <laughs> so these these books, they are a little bit more niche, I suppose. Uh, that's not to say they're difficult or, you know, like kind of chef level cooking. But they really are aimed at somebody who's wanting to play around a little bit more, experiment with different flavors, have a bit of fun. You're talking to one of those people, eating one, <laughs> thinking about the next. It's the only way to be. I love my food, as you know. Um, the the, the uh, people you're uh, aimed at, you've told us about. Now, talk to me about who you're going to publish. Who have you on board? Oh, this is, they're so exciting. I'm so excited to share. So the first book, and I think once I tell you about these authors, you'll get a sense of where this project is going. So the first book is Tacos by Lily Ramirez Foran. And she owns Picado Mexican in Dublin, in Portobello, which is, uh, she imports in Mexican ingredients. She is Mexican herself. She's lived here for 20 years. Her shop, uh, not only, it's online, so you can buy ingredients from her. She has supper clubs when it's, you know, not COVID times, yep. and cooking classes that you have, there's waiting lists for. She's on TV regularly. During the summer, you'd often find her at Electric Picnic and you know other kinds of festivals. So with tacos, it was a really, you know, as soon as she said it, I said, that's the book because everybody knows tacos. They're fun, they're familiar, they're convivial. But the difference being with Lily's tacos using her authentic ingredients it's the kind of stuff you're going to make at home and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I just made that myself. Mm. This tastes so good. Great. Um, so the second book, going in a completely different direction, I'm sure your listeners know Russell Alford and Patrick Hamlin, a.k.a. The Gastrogaze. Yep. And they have a book, this book number two, and it's very much in keeping with their cheeky style. This book is called Hot Fat, and it's all deep-fried food. Okay. So think... Spice bags and Korean fried chicken and the perfect chips. It's not, it's kind of the opposite of all those books we were just talking about yes. before. <laughs> not for every day, but when you're in the mood for a, a treat. A yes. <laughs> so, really, really excited about that. You know, I keep saying, right, you know, I take my recipe testing as well very seriously. I'm going to have to buy a deep fat fryer. <laughs> so, I'm kind of uh, quite looking forward to it and giving some of their recipes a, a whirl. Yeah. So those are the first two books. Great. Book number three, we have is uh, two authors again, Jess Murphy from Kai Restaurant in Galway. Noah. Owen, Owen Kluski, who owns Bread 41 in Dublin. Yeah. And they've partnered up, and this is a really special book, it's The United Nations of Cookies. Now you can guess from the title, Jess is an official high-profile supporter of the UNHCR, and she does a lot of work yeah. with refugees and especially as it relates to food. So Jess will be going around Ireland this summer meeting with and cooking with refugees who have settled here in Ireland and sharing the, their recipes in this book. And then as well as that, um, we'll be collecting recipes from up to 30 different countries of people who have made Ireland their home. So just, again, like the tacos, everybody loves cookies. It's a sweet little treat that's common across many different cultures and gets to shine a light on the wide variety of people and cultures and communities that are right here in Ireland. Mm, mm. And there are so many, uh, you know, in that 
particular bracket of the people you've mentioned there now that are out there that not, you know this, what I'm about to say, would not normally ever be published with some absolute gems and many of them. And this seems to me, this is an ideal pathway, isn't it, to becoming published? That's exactly the idea behind the series as well, is that it just gives a pathway for these people. And I didn't even get to, uh, to tell you about book number four, which again illustrates the point you just made. This is Walk by Kwon Ji Chan. Now, again, may, many of you might know Kwon Ji because he's been on the Six O'Clock Show mm. as one of their chefs for about five years. So he's a familiar face on TV screens. He owns the Bowls Restaurant in Dublin One. He now has a Bites by Kwon Ji food truck, and he has a range of sauces, the Chan Chan sauces. So again, thinking, you know, he's, he was born in Hong Kong, moved to Donegal when he was eight years old. So his, his thing is, you know, Asian and fusion food. So lots of familiar flavors again, but yeah. hasn't been published anywhere mm. in Ireland yet. So absolutely right. That this whole series is a way to give those people who are doing exciting things and have a strong voice and stories to tell and recipes to share yeah. a way to get them out in the world because that's that's what it's all about it's just making room for more more voices yes. more food and like i like to say making more room at the table i really believe you're onto something special here and i wouldn't be surprised to see some of the established uh, casting a, a beady eye over your <laughs> way and saying perhaps there's something you wouldn't turn them down I take it if some of the biggies came your way and said I'd like to now I know the tie to publishers and that as well but you never know your door is open to anybody I take it yep and on the blastabooks.com website we've got submission guidelines up now if anybody's got you know this kind of single strong idea I think the ones I just talked you through will give you yes. an idea yep. of what we're going for here you know and a, and a strong compelling story if, if anybody's interested the information is all up there on our submissions page but you know what? It's a case of a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. The thing I'm really keen to show with this series is, and that why I'm so anxious that it is a success, is to show that, look, there is an appetite for new voices, for new foods, for something that's not quite so... Yes. Um, you know, like, like everything we've kind of already seen before. Yeah. Ah, there is. There surely is. I really like this. I wish you well. Blasterbooks.com. Blasterbooks.com. If you're listening today and you feel it may be for you or you know somebody. And remember, these books are on the way. One, two, three and four. And we will be talking to some of those authors on Late Lunch over the coming weeks. You're a great one. You really are. I hand it to you. Well done with the new concept. I'm sure it's going to fly for you. Kristen Jensen, thank you for joining me again on the show today. Thanks, Jerry, and talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. The brilliant Kristen Jensen there. Blasterbooks.com. You're going to hear more about it. Still to come on Late Lunch this afternoon, it's World B-Day. Simon O'Cronin, Amit Beekeeper, he's a great guy, is joining me. And, of course, I will have a Eurovision Classic for you, but more after this short break. Julie Pan, don't start now on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Just reminding you that Sunday, yes, it's the final round of Premier League games for the season and we have live commentary on a big game. Leicester Spurs, can Leicester make it to the Champions League after winning the Cup? Liverpool have moved into fourth last night. They have a better goal difference, but it's still in the mix. The game starts at four o'clock and you can tune in on the LMFM app or by clicking on the Listen tab on our LMFM website. Premier League Live would now stream all the action from Sky Sports with a now sports membership. 
the book. Oh, what a lovely lady. Wasn't she just lovely? Getting lots of lovely messages uh, about Breda Castley and her new book, Lessons from the Bedside. I'm sending out my copy of the book to Joan Murray in Drumconrath in County Meath today. Enjoy the book, Joan. And thanks to everybody who uh, sent us in messages looking for the book. Joan is the winner today. It's a fantastic book. I promise you. What about Glastonbury, Louise? Glastonbury, you heard the story. You know, Glastonbury is on this weekend, you know, with no crowd at it. Two days, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, there are people, I think there may be even on Worthy Farm. But the go-ahead has been given for a one-off Glastonbury in September with 50,000 people there. 50,000. How are they going to do that? Well, they're going to do it, they say. Anyway, they've got the licence. Normally 200,000 at Glastonbury, mm. but good to hear that it's on again this Would year. Would you be nervous after all this time? And going, I know you're, you've Not had now. the two shots. I know <laughs> you've had the two shots, but still, yeah. would would there be a little bit of nervousness ah, would, going of course, back there? Of course, of course. Do you know what? People are just mad to get going again. I know, like, and but the good news is that Indian variant now they believe the vaccine deals with that, which is which is good. Mm. And Paul Moyne has always said that to us that yeah, it, it spreads quickly, but uh, uh, the vaccines deal with it. What about the uh, 99s, the ice cream on this worst day of the year? We're talking <laughs> ice cream on late lunch. That just Why sums not? us up, doesn't it? More for Barry's in Grange in County Loud. They love the whip ice cream there. Malone's Petrol Station in RD says a listener the best ice cream round. Ursuline Dundalk says a twirl. Yes, a twirl in her ice cream if she couldn't get the flake. Jerry McCormick's in Kingscourt. You can't beat it, says another listener. I'm repeating some of these, but they're coming in from different people. Here's another one. Riley's Shop in the Knoll. Oh, I've had a 99 there coming back from Nicky Kyle's. Really? <laughs> yeah, doing the garden feature. I've often pulled in there. It does an amazing cone. It does. And the man in the shop says the secret to a good cone is a clean machine to keep the oh, machine there you go. very clean Jerry the Roman Dundalk couldn't disagree with you there tasted the Roman Dundalk myself lovely you get chips to put into it there oh well. you could get the salty <laughs> chips you'd be in your element down there Rose says John Smithson at Boy has lovely 99s another one there for Pat's in Kingscourt they're absolutely yummy Jerry says another listener now I had tasted one here as well Conyards in Dundalk Savage 99 says Porrick listening to us today and I can vouch for that I've tasted them in conyards myself here's another one from Joan and RD she puts marshmallows into mm, the ice cream sprinkles oh you're a real sweet tooth Joan you are indeed the marshmallows go in there um, Jerry Magella here I hate ice cream does that do people hate ice cream Magella does is that your Magella no it's, Magella. It, well maybe it is oh yes <laughs> is it Magella did she get the bra and pennies I hope she's all right. Anyway, it could be Armagella. Hates ice cream. I think it's disgusting, but I love the flakes. My fiancé is always buying flakes and I always eat them on him and he doesn't be happy, but he forgives me because he loves me so much. <laughs> we'll have to check that number out. That's the same Magella. Oh, Jerry says Bernie Conlon and Bala McKenney. What a wonderful lady talking about Breda Casserly. My best friend's son-in-law passed away last January in the Galway Hospice and he was only 35 and they oh. were treated like kings by the staff who cared for Kevin. Uh, thanks indeed. Great show as always. Thanks, Bernie, for that lovely message to us this afternoon. Now we're heading to news, weather and sport at three and afterwards, my Eurovision classic today. you love it. And on World B-Day, Simon O'Cronin is chatting to us. 
Oh, there's no end to the places you love your whipped ice creams, your favourites, of course, and different mixes in terms of what you love to put into them if you didn't have the Cadbury's Flake. Mina Curran, hello Mina. She loves El Penderinos in Kells. Wonderful whipped ice cream, she says, and her favourite is the Lotus Biscoff. She sent me a picture of it all, Mina. I'm salivating here. Ross Filling Station at Gallow Cross is another one, Jerry, not to forget if you're in the area. Lovely one indeed and Barry Shop on the way to Carlingford in North Loud Jerry Super Cones there and thank you indeed for all your recommendations to late lunch this afternoon and your combinations it is a shocking day but there are better days ahead I keep reminding you of that there will be of course and let's hope the weather settles in to a nice summer now this week on the show I'm featuring a Eurovision song that I love. And today, I'm going back. I'm going back to the Eurovision Song Contest of 1976, which took place in The Hague in the Netherlands. The song in question, well, it was released ahead of the Eurovision and it reached number one in the UK singles chart. It was there for two weeks before the Eurovision was held on the 3rd of April. On the night of the contest... It was performed first. You know the way they say in a contest, you've better been later on for the juries and for the voting. Well, it was performed first and it was a winner. It received a maximum of 12 points from seven countries. 164 points won it that year with uh, France second with 147. After the contest, the song reached number one in many countries across Europe and eventually sold, listen to this, more than six million copies. It was a huge seller. Who am I talking about? What am I talking about? Well, the song was written by band member Lee Sheridan in August 74, but they shelved it for some reason. And then when the invitation for Eurovision came up, they resurrected the song and away they went and the rest is history. Yes, I'm talking about the Brotherhood of Man and Save Your Kisses. Though it hurts to go away it's impossible to stay. As you can gather, we're singing away here in the studio. <laughs> it's a great song, it really is. There's no doubt about it, the Eurovision songs of yesteryear. Wasn't it a simple song, a lovely song with simple lyrics and lovely melodies? It really was, and what they're doing today. I'm not saying... I enjoyed the semi-final on Tuesday night, and I'll be watching again tonight, and I think there's some very nice songs in it this year, and interesting songs. But some of the ones that have won in recent years, oh, in the name of God, they're not songs at all. They really really are, I have to say that. Some of them just made a farce of it and then when we sent a turkey to it, in the name of God we did nothing to help it ourselves here in this country. But there you go, Brotherhood of Man, back to 76, a lovely lovely song there, winner of Eurovision and fantastic song it was indeed. I'll bring you another Eurovision song right about the same time on late lunch tomorrow afternoon. Don't forget the Genoa in Drogheda, Jerry says another listener their homemade ice cream is absolutely superb. And uh, McGrain's XL store in Sandpit for the 99 says Johnny won this afternoon. He loves them. You love your whipped ice creams, don't you? You do indeed. Did you know that today, all over the world, the bee, the humble bee, is being celebrated? And you know how important they are to life on this planet and our life as human beings. We're going to talk about it next because a man who joined me a couple of years ago back on the show, he's a wonderful man, a beekeeper, writer, musician, more besides. He's from County Mead. Simon O'Cronin is with us next. 
Now, moving on on the show today. Today is World Bee Day, and I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch on the line, Simon O'Cronin, a beekeeper from County Mead. Hello, Simon. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Lovely to talk to you t- again today on the show. Do you think it's important that there is a day internationally to focus on the bee? Well, it is. And a few years ago, people weren't aware of the problem at all. But now thousands of people have become aware of it. And our young people are very, very aware of it, that nature is really in trouble. And when we talk about bees, it's not just the honeybees that the beekeepers have. There's, there's scores of other different types of bees here in our country, from all different types of bumblebees and solitary bees. And insects in general are getting a really, really, really hard time. And we need those insects pollinate the flowers, which gives us all lots of fruits, lots of our food, but also food for the birds. So the whole thing is interconnected. It's a big circle. And if you take one species or groups of species out of that circle, we're in big trouble. Absolutely, Simon. You take out a block uh, along the uh, the way and everything else falls. Look, you are right. There is a greater awareness about this now. And there's so many threats to the bee, especially the native Irish, the little dark honeybee. As you know, I kept bees for a while myself. And they're so important to us. You know, uh, invasive species being brought in here to the country, the agricultural, the sprays, all that type of thing, the removal of habitats. Is there enough? The, the, the agriculture issue... Uh, I'm hopeful in the future that will be sorted and it's very, hard to, it's very hard to blame the farmers because the farmers have done exactly what they were told to do and paid to do yes. by the EU and the Department of Agriculture and Chagask. And now the EU and Chagask are starting to change their advice because they realise now in Europe that what they, what they were doing has backfired on nature. Yeah. So you're hopeful, you're hopeful, Simon, there. What about the importation of species that are non-native to the country, bees? And that's people bringing them in, perhaps even some beekeepers. It's, it's very bad. And I, uh, this would be more than 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, I brought bees in myself from England mm. uh, in, uh, in ignorance at the time. And it's, it's actually very bad to do it with the native Irish honeybee to bring these foreign bees in beside them because they hybridise. Yes. And the, the, the hybrid, the, apart from bringing in diseases that aren't in the country already, when some of these species of bees hybridise with the native bee, you can get, you, the hives can become very vicious. Mm, yeah, and they get a bit nasty. That is true. And on the other, the third leg of what we're talking about, the councils are playing their part. I see they've left grass grow and the dandelion and everything to feed the bees. What do you say to listeners today? How can we help? Well, uh, here in Ireland at the moment, and especially here in counties like Mead and Loud, where we now have an awful lot of tillage, your back garden and your front garden are the most Im- some of the most important places for all nature now. And really, if, you've only, if you're only in an apartment, you can grow herbs on the balcony. And all different types of herbs like sage or borage or thyme or rosemary, chives, lavender, they're absolutely fantastic for all sorts of bees and Irish insects. Mm. And if you only have a small garden, just choose the plants 
to, 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 to feed you, you, you. Most of us won't be able to plant big oak trees in our back garden, but we can plant black currants and raspberries and things like a tony aster and then budlia budlia is fantastic for our butterflies mm, yeah the um, you know? the one you mentioned there the the blue flower what do you call it and the bees love it in the herbs there um the borage oh no the other one uh, uh, the chives no go on again <laughs> oh it's still there was sage and there was rosemary and lavender lavender we got lavender. to it at last i've lavender in myself and i know from previous years the bees love the lavender don't they and there was a great, there was a great uh, uh, idea put out there this year, uh, No More May. Mm. And thousands of people did it all over the country. Yeah. And what they were really asking to do is, don't cut your dandelions. Let the dandelions flower and finish and go to seed and then cut your lawn. And what I've done here now, and I know my garden is, is I'm out the country, so my garden is bigger than what people have in the town. Yeah. But I've left half the lawn the last few years go completely wild. Yeah. And I cut it in the autumn. Cut yes. it once in the autumn. And you wouldn't believe all the flowers that have come in. And yeah. mushrooms as well. <clears throat> and all sorts, all sorts of stuff. So I had to get an app on my phone to go out and take force of them that I'd be able to find out actually what they are. So if you can leave uh, some of your corners in your garden to go wild, I'd look on dandelions as a beautiful flower instead of looking on them as a weed. Yes, of course. And when they go to the seed, as we were saying yesterday, give them a blow and make a wish. Look, before we finish up, let me uh, ask you about the current bee season because, look, I don't have to tell you, the last month, uh, five, six weeks now, the cold, and it's continuing. It's not been good, has it? Uh, we've had a very cold spring and it's been very hard on honeybees. Uh, the only thing I'll say is, up here in Loud and Mead, we have three chances of honey in the year. We have the spring honey, which would be sycamore trees. Sycamore trees are fabulous altogether. Sycamore, uh, dandelion, uh, the, the spring flowers, and then there's a bit of a gap. And then we have the summer honey, which is mainly clover and blackberry honey. Yep. And then in the autumn, we get, if we're near a bog, we can get uh, heather honey, but then we get ivy honey at the end of the year. So there's three chances of honey. We've pretty much missed the first chance now this year because the spring has come so cold. But there still is two chances, you know. And mm. You know the song, two out of three ain't bad. So <laughs> it's not over yet. It ain't over till it's over. Well, listen, no. I'm, I'm going to leave you today. I'll be back to you. You're a great man. Simon O'Cronin on World Bee Day. You've uh, done the bee. Proud. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. Slon, Simon O'Cronin there, mead beekeeper, writer, and a, a great, great guy. He really is. So you've heard there how we can help the bees. Let's get cracking. Anyway, that's almost it on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Let me tell you what's happening tomorrow. There's a big birthday in Slane Castle. And the main man is with us on the show tomorrow. Yes, you know who I'm talking about. Dr. Catherine Kelly is with us as well. She's made the link between water and good health. And I don't mean drinking water. Going out and swimming and uh, using water in many different ways. She's talking to us tomorrow on the show. We have Eurovision royalty for you tomorrow. Yes, we do. Remember him? Mr. Charlie McGettigan is with us on Late Lunch tomorrow. Leon Blanche will be here to look ahead to the big weekend in sport. Of course, the National Leagues are back in GAA. The final day of the Premier League season across the water. Who's going to get the European places? And don't forget as well. 
Have another one ready for you? Your riddle on Friday. Yes, we'll test you tomorrow again on the show and we have a nice little prize to give away. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us. Wonderful music of yesteryear and today. But do come back tomorrow, Friday afternoon, and join us for the final late lunch of the week at 1.30. Enjoy your evening. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find the commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.